Welcome to another episode of Sawdust Nation Podcast, episode 119, with your hosts, Josh from North Country Woodworking, Nat from Napsonati Works LLC, and Nick from MPG Creations. Tonight's special guest is Bao from Design Workshop. Let's start off with Bao. What's in your shop, man? Well, uh, currently I got three projects going on. I got a dining room table, um, a small little storage bench for a client, and about 400 coasters that I have to make. <laughs> That's for a, a corporate client. They're doing some gifts. So um, we worked on this texture thing for another client, and he kind of liked that texture. So we're going to use that same scallop texture that I have, um, that I designed, and we're going to put that onto the coasters. Um, but also we're, um, we're in the process of moving. Uh, so I'm very excited about that. Uh, currently we're working out, of, I'm working out of the garage and once we get the new place, I'll be able to, uh, build a pretty much a separate workshop in the backyard. So I'm pretty excited about that. That's a lot going on, man. Yeah, it's a lot, but, uh, it's good times, you know. How big in the backyard? We're looking to possibly build about a thousand square foot. It'll be just like a pole barn kind of construction, Ooh. post frame, and uh, it'll you be nice to find. Maybe I haven't thought about the design just yet. I just know that uh, we'll be able to have to we'll be able to have a bigger CNC in the shop. So I'm looking forward to that and doing much more uh, upping the production side. Like doing more cabinetry and doing more uh, sort of pre-manufactured furniture pieces. Yeah, okay. but uh, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, so but, up that production game. Yeah, what about you guys? What are you guys going on in the shop? Nap, we got to hear about your finger. Well, that's that didn't happen in the shop though. That's the problem. Like that, I'd rather have happened in the shop than where it actually happened. So I'll I'll get to that in a minute. Um, but I'm finally kicking uh, pretty hard in the uh, the shop. I finally just got done doing a lot of upgrades and updates in there. Uh, I think I already talked about the drywall and stuff last episode, but for anybody that hasn't listened, I did finish the shop uh, drywall because uh, when I got here and about three months ago, there was like nothing in the garage. There was no insulation uh, for three quarters of it, no moisture barrier, barely any plugs or any electricity. So I got all that you know, situated. And then finally, I just said, okay, I get this drywall done. I procrastinated enough. Winter is coming. No pun intended with Game of Thrones, but um, it was... It was a task, okay, taking that on. But that's all done, and the garage has stayed a constant 70 degrees. Uh, but then again, nothing's really been challenged yet because it hasn't hit the coveted negative 40-degree temperatures here in Minot quite yet, but that is definitely going to be soon. Uh, it's starting to get more and more chilly. Um, like about 5 o'clock, it's getting dark here already. Um, so it's it's coming. <laughs> I'm, I, I think I'm ready. I'm not really sure, um, you know what to expect, but we will see how this infrared heater I have in the garage fares against this first winter. And then any lessons learned, I'll improve from there to make it more comfortable. Um, let's see what else. So that's going on. I finally started a flag. Um, it's the biggest flag I've made so far. I mean, a flag is a flag, but the only thing is, you know, proportions and those things. Um, I use the same, same flag calculator each time to make sure I get things within uh, the right proportions So it doesn't look odd. Um, but everyone knows that, I mean, as long as you're not making the union obscenely large or the stripes obscenely short or skinny, it's, it's going to look decent. You know, uh, everyone has a different way of making them. 
Uh, so I got that going on. That's for a going away gift for Chief. Um, they wanted a three foot by, I want to say it's like 18 or 19 inches framed uh, walnut, cherry, and, you know, maple combo, the, the classic combo that uh, Nick likes to use uh, for a lot of his flags that he makes. And then let's see. Uh, I have finally got the laser put back together. So the glasses have been going through the laser to etch for the Air Force ball. So that's good. So kind of close to your 400 coasters, I've got 400 glasses to etch. Um, they're about <laughs> four minute runtime a piece. Oh, wow. Which I probably could speed it up. But my problem is, is sometimes when you speed things up, the quality of the production goes down. Right. So I'm just like, you know what? I'm going to do slow and steady wins the race. These aren't due until the you know, 29th of October. So I'm not really rushing as long mm-hmm. as I get, you know, 50 to 60 done um, in the next couple weekends a piece, I can, you know, knock the rest of them out in one solid day. So those will get done. Uh, I just got another shadow box order. Uh, it's going to be the old half Arnold layered with a uh, different um, species of wood. It'll probably be again, more walnut, not as much walnut, though, because walnut here is super expensive, and I did preface that to the customer uh, that it's, you know, like $18 a board foot. Didn't tell them that, but you guys know it's a lot more expensive here than what I was getting in Texas. Uh, see what else. So that's going to go, but that'll be my first time using a payment plan. Uh, because I know the customer, I trust that they're going to pay me. You know, I don't have to go through any crazy um, measures to make sure that they do pay me. Where's my money, so that'll man? that'll be happening. What's that? You got my money? You got my money? You got money for Bro. a fake mustache? You got money? Listen, <laughs> I'm not trying to bust anybody's kneecaps, okay? And I, I, that's quite a trip for me to do that. So I'd rather not have to go to North Carolina uh, to do that. Uh, that's actually my first job from North Carolina, which is kind of cool. Um, I've normally been shipping to Texas, Maryland, or any of those places. But North Carolina is a first for me, so that's cool. Uh, let's see what else we got going on. Got a list, actually, of things. Heritage boards. Those are all finally glued up and put together. Well, the boards are glued up and put together, but the signage pieces are glued up and put together. Uh, they had a miscalculation on how many they needed. Uh, it ended up being less than what they needed, but they just said, honestly, if you can just make them a little bit bigger than originally uh, projected, that's fine. I was like, yeah, I can do that. Not a big deal. Uh, I mean, you're going to get your money's worth, right? I mean, they paid me a good amount to make these signs, so I'm going to make sure I give them something uh, nice. Uh, maybe more to their specifications now because they realized how small the original signs would have been. So I was like, okay, that's fine. 12 versus 16, I'm good with that. So that's that. Uh, what else do I have going on? That's really it as far as what I'm making in the shop. I got a couple of little things, but those are more like I'm hooking someone up um, because we'll just say someone got a going away gift a little while back uh, that I was not too, he was not too pleased with. I sure wasn't pleased with it. I said, hey, man, I'll hook you up because he asked me to remake it for him. So I was like, okay, cool. And no one in this uh, th- this uh, podcast made this for this person. I know Bob didn't make this for sure, but uh, it was another local maker that just did not, I guess, meet the standards of what the person wanted. Does so, not meet. Wow. That's pretty bad if you get a, a gift and you're like, uh, hey, can you remake this for me, dude? And you're not even the maker that made it yeah. to begin with. Like they just <laughs> so I'm like- going to remake that for him. He doesn't know it yet, but I'm actually going to probably do it at cost for him because, to be fair, he shouldn't be paying for his own darn give going away. I mean, that's just – that's rough. Yeah. Why didn't he you go know? back to the maker? Well, if you go back to the maker, um, you might get something similar or – 
in this case, bruised egos, especially because I think this individual also works within the same line of work. Uh, so, yeah. So that's kind of one of those things. It's all good. I've made stuff for this guy before as well, so he knows that I will produce something nice for him, and I intend to. Um, but, yeah, that's all that's going on with the shops and the things. Now let's get to my finger. Yeah, so I'm not young let's anymore, see folks. Let's see the finger. <laughs> um, so oh, I've actually never dislocated a finger before. This was a first. So playing fly football, out of all things, who would have known? Um, so it was a freak accident too, because you would think like it would take something spectacular to dislocate a finger. In this case, it was not. I literally went to reach for this guy's flags. He did like a little spin juke move thing and he just bumped my finger just right. And I go, ow, that doesn't feel right. Cause you know, when something just doesn't, you know, isn't supposed to be the way it is, it feels weird. Looked at my finger. I was like, oh, that's not normal. So my finger I guess it's called a volar dislocation. So instead of going like side to side or up, it went down. So my finger looked like a step. So I was like, well, they say not to reset it, but I'm, you know, stubborn. And I'm like, I'm not leaving my finger like that. So I pulled it, put it back in place and taped it, continued to play, came home, put a splint on it. And here we are. Um. I will be able to work in the shop just the same because guess what? I got three other fingers, a thumb, and a whole right hand. So we're good. Um, I know what you can use as a push stick. <laughs> Never mind. No, it's metal. <laughs> I can't do that. Exactly. If it hits the blade, it would be safe. Oh, yeah, I guess. about that. <laughs> oh, my oh, God. Jesus. But, yeah, so that's how I messed up my finger. Uh, I was just – I'm still baffled on how it happened, but hey, you know what? I guess you live and you learn, and I think it's just going to show that this might be the last time I play flat football because I just seem to be getting hurt left and right, not even doing anything crazy. I'm just like, wow, getting old if 32 is old, <laughs> but darn. Um, I did, uh, in other news, that's not in the shop, I did so on uh, my next rank, so I officially... I'm no longer an E6. I'm now an E7, which is pretty cool. So for any military listeners, you'll understand the um, – what is it? I can't – I just had words for it, and it disappeared. But um, the gravity, why that's so important, uh, it's, it's just the next step in the career, so that's pretty cool. And uh, all in all, busy in the shop, busy at work, got an inspection coming up. So, yeah, it's really what's all going on in my world. It's going on in the shop. Uh, how about you, Josh? How you doing, bud? Well, I could breathe a little bit easier than last week, which is a nice thing. Long story short, I had a pretty, still kind of have bronchitis. So uh, I wasn't really in the shop very much because, you know, I didn't want any more dust or anything in the lungs than I needed. Um, but this last weekend, I uh, braved it. I went in there and I completed uh, three projects. Um, I had to do some windowsills for somebody, but four of those. And then um, <clears throat> I finished the whole spice rack saga. And did their shadow box up, uh, fixed that for them, which I did at cost because of the patience they uh, they allowed for me. Thankfully, they were a small business owner as well, and they totally understood. But uh, you don't always get those, so I had to show them. You know, I was grateful. Um, right now in the shop, I've been uh, doing some glue ups, trying to get things basically prepped and ready to knock out a whole bunch of products at the same time. Doing a military working dog, actually logo that I designed 
for them. Uh, they gave me a, a picture and said, can you do this? And I designed it up and now they want to, as a giveaway uh, present for someone. So it's going to be like a, a patch with a uh, choke chain that comes down and holds one of their uh, actual uh, dog collars. And in the dog collar, it's going to hold a cherry placard um, <clears throat> with a message. I did something similar for them when I first uh, started working with them, uh, but it was actually the military dog logo and uh, it was the same kind of concept. I'm working on that. Um, I have another one of the large challenge coins I'm doing. Uh, it's going to be for a chief. It's only a 12 incher though. That's actually being engraved as we speak. Um, there'll be some acrylic going on there here uh, soon. That should be wrapped up tonight and I'll deliver it tomorrow. I'm doing a plaque that's going out to Cali. Uh, that's due in about two weeks. Um, I just engraved that. Uh, majority of the plaque was a picture that uh, I was able to laser engrave. And with some subtle uh, sanding, able to bring out some of the more detailed stuff. Maybe not the best way to do this, but I have found that if you, I can't figure out the exact settings to get the different layers to show because the light and the contrast in the dark. If I engrave it a little bit deeper in certain areas, I can sand the top a little bit lighter and bring out some of the uh, the contrast. And it actually gives us this really interesting look. And when you go ahead and put uh, oil on there or whatever finish, it just makes it pop. So that's kind of what I'm doing with this. Um, it's a very dark picture, so I had to carefully do this one. Uh, but so far, it's turning out really good. I'm pretty excited about how it's turning out. I got, uh, I'm going to put an acrylic piece on it as well um, and send that out. And that'll be done probably by tomorrow, too. What else do I got going in there? Um, I have a shadow box I need to complete in the next couple of days. Um, and this weekend, I'll be meeting the person about halfway. It's about an hour drive in total, uh, 30 minutes there, 30 minutes back. But it's better than shipping because we all know how shipping can be. So. Try to avoid that at all costs. Uh, they're actually giving me gas money for it, so it's not like I lose. So it's a pretty good deal. That'll be going down to Delaware uh, eventually, but uh, he, right now he's in Jersey for some reason. So being in the shop, I'm actually, you know, I, when I left, I actually left it pretty dirty because I, you know, thought I was going to go right back into it. And uh, I wasn't able to. So it's been kind of like a cleanup as I go. Uh, it's not fully there yet, but I can actually operate. With that, I actually installed another computer uh, stand next to the laser. So now that I can actually throw my computer there and, you know, utilize it as such. Something's going on in the chat. I'm trying to read and talk at the same time. <laughs> uh, obviously, I still got that cough. If it gets too bad, I got some heavy-duty cough medicine I could take. Um, but you know, it's great to be in the shop. I'm going to start producing content again. I got some real material today, uh, with the laser, some other stuff. Um, I've been missing posting and stories, but, uh, I, I needed a rest. Uh, even me getting in the shop now, I could still feel like I was getting better, getting better. Now it kind of like stalled a little bit, but you know, I got to get stuff done. So, <clears throat> Um, it's just great to be in there and looking forward to getting some more orders. Um, I was supposed to get a pretty big order that was due right away, but they never got back to me. So uh, I don't know what's going to happen with that. Hopefully they don't get back to me and tell me they still need it by the deadline they gave me originally because that would be very costly for them. But that's about it. Um, it's just nice being back in there and having something to talk about other than the design work. So Nick, what's in your shop, dude? 
Well, dude, my shop looks like it looks like somebody ransacked it. There's there's legitimately stuff. <clears throat> Can you hear me? Okay. Yep. There's legitimately stuff everywhere. It's yeah. It's bad. I have not had a free a free moment to re to like reset everything. You know how like you get like in between the job to where you can go ahead and just like clean everything up and get things back to where they go. I've been like living out of a suitcase in my shop. I guess you could say like, I got, I, I, I must have a great memory because I remember where I put everything that I just leave laying around. But, um, maybe not a tape measure or a pencil though, unless you have that clip it. And, you know, yeah. I, yeah. For real, for real, for or real. the router <laughs> or the yeah. router. Yeah. No, so like Nap, I have an order for it's not necessarily a heritage board, but it's like an awards board. It's going to go on a wall and uh, it's going to hold pictures and like name tapes and stuff like that for people who win awards in a specific uh, organization. And then uh, I got a uh, so end of the year, end of the fiscal year happened. Uh, that, you know, it's October, so new fiscal year. And I love. It's like, it's almost like Christmas when you have like that rollover because right before the United States government does this thing where they just like blow all the rest of their funds because they need to get rid of them or else they don't get issued the same amount the next year. So um, that's the time where they, they make it uh, a priority to order things that they normally wouldn't order throughout the fiscal year. Um, like woodworking items. So I took a, a large order from uh, a unit as well. Um, so that's a few months, a few months down the road. Those will be complete. I just dropped off a large order of coasters, cutting boards, barrel lids and all that stuff to the Garrison brothers distillery in high Texas this past weekend. That was fun. So like, like bow down there, I was like over here turning out coasters um, mine are just wood glue ups though. I mean, they still have some pretty nice <laughs> designs, but I used, uh, I used a total boat wood honey on those and fantastic product, man. And it's not because we're sponsored by them. If I didn't like it, I wouldn't use it. And I actually, I'm using it. It's food grade safe too. So I've, I've been putting them on the cutting boards as well. And then just various other onesie twosie custom orders for plaques in shadow boxes that I'm I'm buried in. I'm working on four shadow boxes currently in the shop at the moment and just bouncing back and forth from one to the next to the next to the next. So life's been pretty, you know, it's been pretty flowy here, you know, like you go from one project and immediately start the next. And then, you know, there's really no break in between, which is, is good for business. But at the same time, I kind of wish that I was full-time because I would have more time during the day to get things done and then have a set time at the end of the day to kind of tidy up, at least in theory. But, Val, what about you, man? I know you have – you're running full-time operations down there. Selling you from experience, uh, even when you go full-time, you have no time at all. So it's uh, – it's you think you have a lot more time, but nope. Not at all. What are you running though? 12 hour days or 10 hour days, eight hour days? Um, so my days are pretty flexible. Um, I, I'm the main person who like picks up the kids, drops off the kids. My wife, she, she's a teacher. So she pretty much, uh, 
at school the entire day. So drop out the kids by the time it's like 10, that's when I start to work. And then I'll pick up the kids like at three. That's kind of like my general day. Um, sometimes if I'm super busy, then I will, I'll work after dinner into the night. So it's, it's, it's really just random every single day, but I know, but you, Mondays are usually like the business days. That's where I handle all the meetings, all of my, um, all of the calendar stuff that I need to do that is set for Monday and the rest is, is just whatever happens. I don't really have, I think that's a problem too with me. I don't really have like a set schedule. I think I need to do that. Keep, keep myself a little bit more accountable and a little bit more organized. Um, mainly because I, I think I'm doing a lot. I'm doing the YouTube, I'm doing business. Um, and I'm trying to just manage all the, the, the social media platforms. So it does, it does uh, take up a lot of time and I need to be a little more organized. I got to ask because I'm, I'm super invested in this, this whole, whole journey. I'm about to like, once I retire from my current job, I'm going to do what you did and go full time. But I got to know, do you get more family time than you did when you had a full time job and you were doing this? I do because I make it a priority. Um, I make it a priority to pick up the kids, to drop off the kids, to to spend time with them after work. Um, there are days where I would be super busy where I maybe only spend about an hour out of the day with the kids. And I would, I would say overall, I do have more times with the kids. I'll say that we just had a, our daughter, she's three months old. And I think that at that stage right now where we have two kids, it does slow down the business a little bit because I do again, want to prioritize, you know, um, spending time with her and being with her since she's so young and enjoy these moments. So it's a sacrifice that I acknowledge that I, I I choose for myself, you know, and that's the good thing about being your own boss is you can set the priorities for your life and for your business. So congratulations, by the way. Thanks. That's pretty cool. Um, you know, I, I think uh, you said three months ago. Yeah. She's three born? months now. That's awesome, man. You yeah. know, Hey, uh, not to, not to like veer away from, from from bow here but you know we had another another woodworker have had a baby recently yes he did actually i think he had twins didn't he he had twins twins wow twins yeah so congratulations <laughs> to kumo from kumo's workshop by the way that uh, we're doing that the birthday <laughs> we should have a segment now and but new anyway, woodworker yeah. to the group <laughs> yeah <laughs> just new, you mean new employee <laughs> yeah those those first six months to a year, you're so busy. I mean, like, yeah. And you have, a, you know, your own business on top of that. That's full time. Your wife works. I mean, like, you that sacrifice is well worth it. I mean, we all have kids here, and with that, we all know that it goes fast. That first year, that first two years, it's nothing, and mm-hmm. it's fast. totally worth. Yeah, yeah, it's totally worth spending some little extra time and getting a and all that before they were going off to school and then, you know, before you know it, college and all that. But yeah, and then they start um, talking and stuff gets really fun. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> stealing your tools and raiding the shop while you're in it. You yeah. Know. So my son is three and I totally, I totally get it. You know, the time definitely goes by super quick. It's uh it's like you have a, you have a time machine right in front of you 
you know, every single day you realize that you're getting older and the kids are growing up quicker and quicker. So I'm trying my best to prioritize that family time, you know, even though I am a business owner and I got priorities and bills to pay, but family is, is definitely the number one on my list. That's awesome, man. So question with, you know, family life and, you know, I just saying you got to put a lot of time into family life and I agree totally. I mean, I've taken, the, my business has not necessarily taken a huge backseat. I've just been, what is it, fortunate enough that things have slowed down a lot to where I can spend more time. Mm-hmm. Do you ever find yourself battling deadlines? Oh, yeah. At times, you say you work into the night. Like, what's the latest you've ever stayed up in the shop? So the holiday season is probably the worst. Um, I'm getting all the Etsy products. Um, so right now, I'm trying to plan ahead for that. Last year was really bad. I didn't really plan to get all those orders that I did. I ended up working till like one or two in the morning and then waking up, you know, about seven o'clock to start the day. Right now I'm actually stocking up for that large, the large orders. Um, so I started doing that maybe a couple of weeks ago uh, to, so that I don't have to stay up till two o'clock in the morning during, during the holiday season. But uh, usually during the the year, the uh, the regular seasons, I'm not really up that late. If I am up late, it's not in the shop. It's more for YouTube or for a campaign or something like that, that I have to deliver a piece of content or something. That's the only reason that I'll be up late working. You know, I'll tell you what, I wish, I wish it was YouTube content and those things for me at times, but I'll tell you what, I'm not a huge, I try to be the sole, you know, with the IG thing. That to me is a lot. I can't imagine you doing all this, like doing yeah. all that stuff. Like that's just so much. Like I, I wish that would be what I was busy doing, but sometimes there was those nights where you're working in the shop until like two in the morning and Nick and Josh, you guys can relate. You're like, I need to sleep. <laughs> no. But if I go to sleep, I'm not going to finish this. <laughs> Yeah, so that's I guess that's probably the one of the main things I'm looking forward to is to not have to juggle a main like a full time job that and then a part this this part time I guess you could call it part time but it's more like working two full time jobs you know what I mean Yeah, yeah. But are you happier now that you went full time or or are you are you still are you finding that it's more of a it's like a chore still So if you ask my wife how I was back then, whenever I was working in 95. I mean, I, I owned my own architecture firm and construction firm a um, couple, like maybe five years after graduating college. Um, so I got my license pretty quick to become an architect. And I moved between my the firm that I was working for into a construction company so I can gain that knowledge. And then I opened up my own architecture firm with construction as well. So I'm used to that, but it was being in the field of architecture and how architecture was, um, I guess the work that I was doing wasn't very fulfilling. And I was very, uh, very depressed. Wasn't the best person to be around. You know, um, I was stuck on the computer for eight hours a day sometimes and at 10 hours. Oh, wow. Uh, just doing like drafting, like moving moving lines around. And you do that for weeks and weeks at a time. It's just life draining. Um, so whenever my wife would come home and she would just see my face and see my attitude, she's like, were you at the computer all day? It's like, yep, yep. So I am way happier now that I made that transition. Like, 
I I'm, I feel like I'm more alive, more of who I who I am, who I want my my son to to see his dad to be, you know, um, my kids. So I would say that that it's definitely given me a lot of that freedom, given me that creativity that I've always been wanting in the the field of architecture that I never really had. Um, and also working with my hands. Um, I think that's something that I really missed whenever I was in the field. You know, as an architect, you don't really build the buildings, you know, and going to college, I didn't realize that because <laughs> I went to college um, wanting to actually build buildings and I thought architecture was was the way to go. But the reality is architects don't build the buildings anymore. Um, we just hire it out or we just give the plan to somebody else, the contractor, the builder, and they actually do the building. We kind of um, kind of facilitate and make sure that they're following the standards uh, code-wise and everything like that. But yeah, I think the first exposure to the woodshop in architecture school was how it all started, you know, being able to build models, being able to conceive your idea that day and make it a reality. I think that was very intriguing, and that's why I'm so drawn to to woodworking, um, not even construction, because construction, when I was doing general contracting, it was still, you know, you sub out all of the main trades and you barely, you barely even put your hands into it. I tried to, you know, do a little bit of woodworking, do that in-house, but the timing and all of that, like, it just wasn't worth the time that I had to put into doing the work. So I was more profitable by getting the projects done because I did commercial. So they needed to, you know, open up really quick. You know, sometimes these projects are one to two months turnaround. So doing the work myself, it just wasn't worth it. So, um, yeah, that's why I, I kind of scaled down from the large scale architecture, commercial construction to just doing woodworking. And I think I found the the balance that I was looking for in terms of creativity and also production. That's awesome, man. Congratulations. Yeah. Having that background too, though, like like you've got the mind of a designer that can put your own things, you know, into, what is it? Into fruition. Like, that's pretty awesome. I wish, I wish uh, myself, I wish I had more of a design mind. I typically you're looking at stuff. People send you pictures. Hey, can you make this? Yeah. And that's about as far as like our, like my design would go is like, okay, I'll make it better by doing this, this, and this. Very rarely have I been able to just kind of create my own thing. And that's, I find that pretty, pretty awesome that you can make something up, imagine it, do the plans for it and build it yourself. Yeah. Like that's, that's pretty awesome to me. Yeah. What was that movie? The, um, was it like no regrets that they was a tattoo? Like, right here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, was it me? No, what is it? Uh, I forgot the movie, but he's like, like no one? regrets, you know, it's about it wrong. But yeah, I, I don't regret that experience at all. Like it, it was very, um, it was very time consuming. I spent about it's five years of architecture school and then two years of internship, two to three years of internship. You have to take seven exams. Um, it's more than a doctor, right? Doctors, they take four exams, mm-hmm. have residency for two years. It's almost about 10 years total of like education. Uh, even if you include the, the college education as well as Post uh, graduate, um, post graduating, so it was a it was a lot of time that I had to dedicate to get that license. 
I still maintain my license. I still go through the the uh, continuing education. I still see the value in in the, the having the license um, and a value of continue to learning, continue to learn. You know what materials are out there, how people are, you know how how construction is going, and trying to incorporate some of that eventually um, into woodworking. So we got to so ask. ask. Oh, go ahead, Josh. Oh, I've Jinx, you owe me a beer. <laughs> I know, right? Same time. Um, that's, that's, you know, Polox for you. But uh, yeah. I do got to ask. So you made the decision that first day where you didn't have to do uh, your old job and you stepped in the shop and that was your main job. That must have been one hell of a feeling. Like that must almost breaking free. It was, um, it was definitely a mixed bag of emotion. And a lot of it was, I would say a lot of it was fear. I, yeah. I didn't think, uh, I don't think I got rid of that fear until I would say maybe six months into it because I like the paycheck. I like that, that steady flow of mm-hmm. income. Um, and at that time, my son was still pretty young. So being a dad, I was always, um, I was afraid of like, how how do I how am I supposed to provide for the family and things like that? Um, so it was definitely a lot of fear, but eventually, I, I knew that this is what I want to commit myself to. And if you want to do something, you're going to make it work. If you want something really bad, you're going to make mm-hmm. it work because you have to. You have to just put a hundred and ten percent in. And if it doesn't work out, then at least you tried, you know, but if you, if I didn't put it all in, I didn't put 110% of myself in, um, why even do it? So uh, that, that was my answer to the fears. Like you just have to make it work. Like it doesn't matter. Like you have to make it work. All of this is on you now to make it work. And if it fails, it's your fault, but at least you tried. We don't really think about it like that just because we're not in those shoes yet. Um, for all, I think I want to talk for all of us here, but for us that day, <laughs> that day we separate and we are able to go in the shop full time. If that's what we end up doing, it's on the calendar. It's a countdown. We just, we cannot wait for it. Um, mm-hmm. But that's a good point. You know, something we are not thinking about just because the excitement, you know, the anticipation, um, the weight, um, your anniversary is coming up for uh, separating from your job and doing woodworking only, correct? Yeah. So tomorrow is the official business anniversary, um, one year of forming the LLC. It's It was actually in February where I decided to uh, not take on any architecture clients. So during that time, from February to October, it was more like winding down the other side of the uh, profession. And then on October, that's when I went and formed, um, formed the LOC officially. So that'll be tomorrow. Very exciting. I'm going to post up uh, a post on Instagram about it to just give everybody an update, you know, and things have been going really well. I didn't expect it to, to pop off um, so well for me, um, but I'm grateful for it. Very grateful for all the clients and all of the people who trusted me with their builds. And I would say that if anybody is interested in, in going full-time doing woodworking, um, it is possible to make a living out of it. It is possible. But you have to 
you have to market yourself in a certain way to a certain client. Um, that's mm-hmm. the reality of it. Because I find your niche. Or- yeah, you have to find your niche. Um, and just realize that as you can't service every sing everybody and their needs, right? Um, what I mean by that is like my time right now, I, I can't spend time making cutting boards. It just yeah. doesn't it just doesn't really fit the hourly wage that I need to pay myself, right? I would have to make tons of cutting boards in order for me to pay myself that type of wage that I'm looking for to, you know, take care of my overhead, take care of me um, paying the bills for the family and take care of the family in general. So I I can't do that anymore. Um, Do I like making cutting boards? Yeah, sure. But I just can't have the time to do that. So not every single client that comes to you, um, you, you should pick up. So you have to find a certain clientele that you want. If you want to make cutting boards, then how can you make a living doing cutting boards? Are you doing kind of like wholesale? Are you doing, um, are you reaching out to real estate agents? Are you, you know, who, who's going to buy a cutting board, right? Who are the people who typically buys it? So not to say you can't make a living making cutting boards. There are people who do do that, um, but it's just not where my niche is at. It's not what I want to do. Um, but definitely woodworking, you, you can make a living. You can't support your family on it. Well, I could definitely tell you on the, on the cutting board thing, like that seems to be like the hot, the hotness, if you will. And I will say, like I've made a couple one-off cutting boards because like I said, I don't make a bunch of cutting boards either because like I'd say our niche is military memorabilia and heritage and those things, right. which is where we make a lot of, well, our money. Um, but the couple times I've made cutting boards, like people ask me, well, what can you make me for this much? And I'm like, and I tell them this is what it is, you know, for me to, you know, still get paid something decent based off the job. Yeah. And I, you know, some customers have turned me down and I'm like, well, listen, you're not, you're not going to get a two inch thick cutting board. That's, you know, like almost two feet wide by, you know, a foot deep, you know, for 150 bucks. I'm sorry, because the materials that you want me to use cost a lot. The process is a lot Mm -hmm. to make it the way, well, anybody that wants a high end cutting board would be, Mm -hmm. you know, so I can definitely understand that. I mean, I've sat here and told, taught, I mean, I got six years till I retire. So, you know, I sit here and I think like, okay, what am I, what is my niche going to be? And honestly, I'm going to, like you said, you market yourself. I'm going to position myself to a point where I'm based near a military installation and I'm going to make shadow boxes, shadow boxes and maybe signage. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't really want to get into like the acrylic awards or anything like that. Like, that's cool. I could do that but I've already found something that I'm really good at and that I can keep, you know, perfecting. Cause you'll never be perfect. I mean, I'm sure you've, you could probably even admit that for with your vast experience that there's always something that, you know, I, you're I still improving. I interrupt you to say his photography is perfect. And that's, I'll, I'll stop that. <laughs> hey, I'm not even taking shots at it. I'm just saying just out of the blue here, you know, like there's always something we can improve on. And heck, I'm sure. What do they say? The hardest part about woodworking is finding how to fix your mess ups. That's how you find out how good you are. Yeah. You know? How how well you can hide your mistakes, pretty much. Yeah, but you'll always know there. That's the rough part. Yeah, they're, they're features. <laughs> they're uh, part of the design. <laughs> it's a special cutting board because of this particular feature. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, that little guy over there. Don't worry about that little guy over that there. That crack that filled with epoxy? Yeah, that's a feature. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Have you, what's the worst, I know this is kind of um, 
And uh, a question we like to ask everybody, what's the worst you've messed something up and how did you fix it? And was it, did you fix it well enough to where it was not noticeable? Uh, did you fix it good or? Let's see. So I did a, um, a, a vanity with a, I did a vanity with uh, um, a medicine cabinet. And whenever I went to drill the adjustable shelves, um, on one side, on one side, I said it correctly and everything like that. The other side, uh, I said it like half of an inch off. So oh, the shelves were <laughs> just like this. I was like, where the heck did that even come from? Um, but I, I mess up when I rush it. And when it comes down to the very last moment, I tend to rush it because I just want to get the project done. Um, I don't know if you guys ever, if you guys deal with that, but I think yes. a lot of us who are makers, you know, we are like, we, especially those who are, um, design oriented. And I think a lot of us makers really are, um, when you're working on a project for like one week or two weeks at the end of that project, you're kind of like, you're drained, right? You're like, I want to do something mm-hmm. else. I want to get onto the next one. And I struggle with that a lot. Um, so towards the end of the project, I kind of just, you know, whatever, let's just drill these adjustable pinholes in and let's just get it done. So I didn't really, didn't really um, measure that. And then for my house, I mess up a lot of here, guys. Like it's almost every single project, there's some kind of screw up, but I think the- It's a human the factor. Bi- yeah. The biggest one is my own house. Um, it's on YouTube and everything like that, but doing the living room, I measured 87 on these slats. I went to go cut it at 78. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was late in the night. And <laughs> yeah, like you just don't even know what, what happened, but it is what it is. And I have a whole bunch of little sticks that they're in the garage and eventually it'll become a bench. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that. You measure like six times. Oh, hey there. As my son. <laughs> <laughs> you, you measure like that. a bunch of times and you still cut it wrong. And you're like, but how? Yep, yep. You know, this? in the beginning, when you first start woodworking, it's so easy to mess up a cut, the simple cuts, you know, because you're not, you don't measure or you cut on the wrong side of the line or you, you, you forget to take it the blade or, you know, you get a, a ruler that has that little gap before the measurement actually starts and everything's off just by a little bit or two. It's very easy to do that. And as you progress, you think you get better, which you do. But you still end up making little mistakes, as you were mentioning. And I think it's important for everyone out there to realize that, like, if you don't make a mistake on a project, then you made one and didn't even realize it. Because I have never made one project yet that had no mistakes on it. There's always been something. Little, but it's been there. And that's just me. I mean, like, I'll go ahead and say it. it's a human. Even thing. on the repeatable ones that you make tons of. Yeah, there's always going to be something. I mean, like, something's going to be off or not yeah. perfect. I mean, even if like, you have a CNC, if you can make. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because sometimes you're not setting your hold downs correctly. Like sometimes, if I put something on CNC and it's not properly, you know, held together, then you're going to have some mistakes. Um, it just happens, you know. Part of the process. Mm-hmm. So we've talked about your uh, past, how you got into it. Uh, we talked about kind of where you're sitting. But what about your future? 
what do you have planned for the next five years? If you don't mind sharing with us. Yeah. So I mentioned in the brief opening, um, we're getting a shop and I think it's Mm -hmm. a very long time coming. Most of the projects that I work on are, are usually like built-ins or some kind of big furniture piece. And right now my living room is pretty much my assembly space. (laughs) The dining room is my finishing area. And my wife is, um, yeah, she wants to just strangle me because she doesn't have a house, <laughs> you know, like the entire house. See, is everyone has that issue. You know? Yep. So we, I just did this uh, like 15 foot long built in and it was sitting inside the living room and the dining room for like a couple of weeks. Um, so it's just been very inefficient to work in the, the garage right now, uh, mainly because of space and the project size. So um, we're hopefully going to close on the property um, in about maybe two weeks or so. Trying to get the survey right, survey done right now. Last process of negotiation is making sure that there's no easements where I want to build the shop and um, there's enough square footage on the lot uh, based off of our you know code for uh, how much area you can cover on your lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you guys deal with that there, but down here you got to deal with that because of flooding and such. Um, mm-hmm. So that's going to be the future is to do that shop. And I would call that uh, a 2.5 shop. It's not going to be the final shop. I do have plans for like the final shop on the property. Um, that's going to be a little bit more uh, architecturally nice. This one's going to be a pole barn. It's going to be, no standard metal shed. Um, my ideal for a, a wood shop is something like Frank Howarth. Uh, he has like a really nice, um, nice design for his shop. I don't know if you guys or if you guys follow him, but his uh, his work is amazing. His his video is amazing. Um, he also has an architecture background as well. But that is the the future. I do hopefully I want to come up with a. Um, like a furniture product line, something that I can repeat, like a design that that I'll come up with, and it'll be able. I'll be able to throw it on the CNC and get it milled out, get it shipped out in parts, and people can put it together. Um, so that is like maybe the five year mark, you know. Um, but right now, it's just a matter of getting a bigger shop so that I can up the production and. Uh, speed up the uh, assembly process, speed up the the making process of things. That's awesome plan, man. Um, 2.0, um, 2.5. So have you already kind of drawn up that shop you're referring to? Uh, the last one, is it kind of like already planned out or is it just kind of something you're kind of tossing around in the head? Yeah, so it's in my head, but um, I do know what I want, how I want it to look like. And how I want it to um, integrate with our house as well. Um, but it's, it's, uh, it's definitely been planned for a while now. Like it's, it's one of those things where you guys are wanting to like um, go full time. You guys have set that date for me. It's like getting that perfect shot, you know, and mm-hmm. I struggle with perfectionism. So I, I, I want it to be perfect. And I, that's why I call this shop, you know, the barn, the pole barn, a 2.5. It's not like, it's not the final thing. Um, but yeah, it's it's been in a process for a while now. 
Awesome. I think shops are forever <clears throat> changing. I know for like multiple episodes, we, we sometimes go down the rabbit hole of like what we would have done different. Yeah. yeah. So like Texas for me, when I was in Texas, that's where I started. Right. That would have, that was 1.0 right now. Naps, Naughty Works 2.0 is here in Minot where I changed a lot of how I had my original shop set up to what I have now. And just like you, they'll probably be maybe closer to retirement. If I move again, God, I hope I don't move again. Moving <laughs> things is moving a shop, moving a shop alone your yeah. whole house. I am not looking forward to that. Even it's, though like this house is literally down the block. I am not ready to, I'm not, yeah, I don't want to move the shop. Like it's just going to be is a headache. Downhill? Can you just like ride on your tools? <laughs> <laughs> I wish, I wish. Uh, but doing all your dust collection and running all the pipes and I'm not looking forward to that. I think that, so I don't know, I don't know if you go through this process, but like every so often you're like, I can better optimize my space. You just like get a harebrained scheme in your head while you're laying in bed at night thinking, well, if I move this equipment here and move this other equipment here and then you go and do it and then you're happy with it for a while, but then you're, I don't know. I've probably rearranged my shop six or seven different times in and over a year since I've been here. So, uh, do you ever go through that process in your current setup, or? Um. So I rearranged it maybe twice, and it's it's hard for me to rearrange things because like I purposely bought bigger tools because I knew that I was going to get a bigger shop anyways. So. And it could be like, it's just my attitude with, with making it perfect. It's like, I'm not in, I'm not in the perfect shop. So why, why even, you know, spend the time? It's not a, it's not a great attitude about it, you know, to go about it because your workspace, it needs to be organized and it for it to function properly. But for me, it's like, it's there, it works. Um, I'm not going to change anything about it because I'm going to move anyways. So that was like three years ago. <laughs> so I've been in the in the same space with the same layout, and I don't I don't want to move it because it's a pain in the butt. I'm gonna have to redo all the pipes, uh, rerun the electrical because everything is exactly where it needs to be um, based off of how I I moved in. Um, so yeah, it's I, I do go through that process in my mind, but when I think about it, I'm like, nah. <laughs> no. like, do I want to do that? When we move into a place, and like for me, I, I talked about this a lot in the podcast in the beginning about like I'm going to move. It's going to happen. I, I'm not staying here for another four years. I will move, and if I don't, I'll be really surprised. So that's why everything's on wheels. That's why, like in the beginning, I was building things out of two by four, basically scrap wood. I needed a work surface build out of scrap who cared i didn't need birch plywood or painted or nothing perfected and as long as it was flat and can i can hammer on it and chisel on it we were good um my first workbench was from a pallet two by fours not the flattest thing in the world I'll let you know that but uh yeah i i understand the mentality and then we got a uh, real quick just because i want to get this one question in there uh it's actually from your wife, wife josh um so his wife heather uh, she asked on IG, and this is for you, Bao, uh, on IG, do you post more so to appeal to other woodworkers or potential customers? How do you balance that? That's a good question. Um, so I use 
And I guess this is why, like, I'm, I don't think like I'm that great at uh, building the community in the woodworking community. You know, um, I, I'll admit that, you know, I'm not very involved in the community because the woodworking social media for me is to help build my business. Um, that's how I use, that's, that's the main purpose of it for me. Uh, some people, they build their business around other woodworkers. Like they might sell jigs. They might sell, sell like shop plans. Yeah. They might sell, um, I don't like Dave, three Dave, right? Like he sells or he produces the, the, um, 3d models so that other woodworkers, other makers can print it and use it themselves. Um, I'm not good at that because I'm just so busy with the commission work. And that's how I, I mean, that's how I positioned myself and I'm totally okay with that. Um, and hopefully uh, there are woodworkers who can be inspired. I think that is my main thing for the woodworking community is um, be inspired by the work that I do. And hopefully it allows them to be more creative. It allows them to, um, to give them the drive to be creative and to uh, really pursue the type of work that they want to do. Um, but yeah, primarily the social media is for other uh, clients. And I would say 80% of my clients are from Instagram. Um, not my website, not anything else, not Facebook. It's not even word of mouth. Um, it's all through Instagram. Um, yeah. So if you, if you want to invest in an area, definitely invest in in Instagram. No, I was, I was just saying like, you know, how he was talking about whether you're going to make stuff for like essentially a, a end end product for a customer and, or a tool or a uh, something to make a woodworker's life easier. I think it's very hard to do both at the same time. And I know, I know a couple of different makers that, uh, well, Daniel, for one, he's, he's on one end of the spectrum. Right. And, uh, I think you kind of have to make that decision before you actually venture out. And if you do venture out and then you find yourself, find yourself going back and forth, I think that's hard because you devote so much time into those 3d designs and all that stuff that it'll kill the rest of your, you know, your consumer base, uh, you know, like your, your customer base, if that, that wants like a plaque or uh, a table or something like that, you know what I mean? So, I, I mean, that's just me though. I, there can be, I'm sure if you shops with multiple employees and multiple different owners and, you know, you can have a different division, but like for, for us, one man shops, there's no way I could make anything for, you know, even devote the brain power to come up with something to make, <laughs> to make yeah. y'all's life easier. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's why like the content that I produce is hopefully um, educational towards the woodworking community or again, yeah, inspiring to them. Um, but I'm not going to be the type of person that makes a jig for, for oh, another woodworker and try to sell it. I do have like free plans and stuff that I, I've made because I made a YouTube video about it and I needed to make the plans anyway. So then I'll just throw it up there. And if somebody wants to buy it, then great. Um, but there are a lot of people out there who are way better than I am when it comes to making jigs, making woodworking, you know, type of things to make another woodworker's life, um, uh, or shop, shop time more efficient. I think like Izzy Swan, right? Like he's done a lot for for the community in terms of making all the products. Um, so 
Yeah. I think you got to pick where you want to go first. And it's not to say that I'm not going to jump on that side in the future. Um, who knows? Like if content creating, it, it's enough to take care of the bills, then maybe I will focus more on the woodworking side of things and, and doing more educational stuff um, on that side. So. Well, I mean, like you said, you've devoted so much time into your craft and put so much time into what you've produced thus far. It's like, okay, my eggs are in a basket right now. Let's just continue with what works until you have the bandwidth. I mean, hell, you've got your your, your babies, right? So at this point, your family, you know, that's that's a part that you're putting up even more of your eggs in that in that basket. So you're really you're you're very much spread out right now. So I think I think eventually once you're able to start spread, spreading more love later, I think I'm sure, like you said, it'll happen. Yeah. And I look forward to seeing it. Yeah. Um, but yeah. But I do want to do courses in the future, like um, create some type of a furniture piece and um, build a course around it, like maybe a, a lounge chair or some type of table or something like that in the future. Um, but I think that's have something you, we'll we'll look at when we have the space for it, you know. So have you have you ever heard of William Douglas Co? Yeah, yeah, he's from Arizona. I've seen his work. Yeah. His work is really awesome. He does some amazing stuff, but I, I also noticed that more of his content now is is based towards his classes that he puts on for because he has that one chair that he he like has a signature chair. Yeah, and I think it's been actually a really successful source of revenue for his business to mm-hmm. to allow like because he's got two sides of the house you know he's got the school portion and then he's got the actual like they take orders and and build furniture but they're not mass producing it you know yeah it's and i think um, yeah. chris salomon from four eyes i think that's that's how i pronounce his last name i can never pronounce it um but he does a course too i think he does live courses i'm not sure if if he still does he still does the live courses but I know he has courses on um, making chairs and things like that. And specifically just one chair. Uh, it's pretty cool. It's pretty beautiful design. But that, I think that's um, something that I want to do in the future. You know, that, that's, that'd be pretty cool to get into. The fact you, you learn a craft to such a point where you can teach someone over a video, you know, and have them come away and be able to produce that. It That's it takes a lot of time because having someone sitting next to you and talking them through it and be able to step in and do something and show them the technique, but to actually show in such a way people could pick it up does have a certain talent to it. Yeah. And I think it'll also diversify the income. I think as a business person, you, you definitely want to diversify where your income's coming, coming from. And um, I mean, I was able, I have been able to, create about create three different streams of in, income for the business. And that course would be the, the fourth um, for right now. It's the SC it's the commission. It's the social media. Those are the three sources of the income and social media. I also include like affiliates and, and um, campaign stuff that I do for brands. Um, so it's, it definitely helps if you want to do woodworking full time just don't just don't do one thing. Uh, it's important to just try to um, bring in revenue to your business from other sources as well. So uh, I like the the fact that 
you can make money while you sleep, especially when you, you produce, you produce like that a video or content or whatever. And then if it's good enough, people will pay for it. Right. Mm-hmm. And then they just, they purchase the classes and next thing you know, you don't even have to do anything anymore with that particular video. I mean, you're right. probably going to make right. more videos, but right. at that time it becomes passive income and you're just, just collecting a paycheck. Yeah. Yeah. That's I think the dream for all of us is find something that produces while we're not actually physically working. And the classes is a great idea. So I think a lot of people go into the jigs and stuff is because they can mass produce those, sell those. But I mean, you guys, um, everyone's mentioned this during this particular episode, but finding that piece that fits into your life that you're able to produce and make money off is what we all search for. It's what we're continuing to search for. Nap has an idea. He wants what he wants to do. Um, Nick, you know, himself. I haven't won finding, the lottery yet, but we're getting but there. You're, you're getting there. You could tell. I mean, like you're starting to home your craft. And I mean, like about yourself, I mean, you have a plan. You're, you've, you've done it. You made the big step that everyone, a lot of people that listen to this podcast want to do. And that's huge. Um, I mean, there's, I can mention your name to pretty much a majority of our listeners and they know exactly who you are. Your products that you post are just, they're clean. The best way I can explain this is it's visually satisfying and clean looking. Like, that's the way it is. It's just the best way to describe it. Um, you definitely have a talent in that sense where you could produce works of art that are functional. Your page says it all. I mean, like your design, your logo says it all. Everything is just very clean. I'm, when I met you at Workbench Con, you gave me your card. Your card. I mean, like I, 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 it's in your hand. It's heavy. And the feeling of it. I mean, like it was just it's clean. So. You definitely set yourself apart from the pack in the shows. Yeah. And I, I, I think it just comes from the architecture background. Like we were, we were taught a certain way that design is so important. And when, whenever you see a building, whenever you see um, a skyscraper or something like that, your first impression is exactly what you see. Right. And that's the architect behind the building that you kind of get a sense of, of who that architect is, especially on these iconic buildings, um, mainly. Um, but for me, that that's part of, of putting myself, putting my best foot forward, right. Um, making sure that even the business card, uh, when a client picks it up, it's substantial. When, when you give it to somebody, it's, it feels like this is quality. And I hope that, uh, I'm able to carry that out through, through the products it's as well, you know, I can just try my best. Well, on my side, my point of view, I think you're nailing it. And lastly, I think we'll wrap it up after this, but uh, I want to ask your equipment that you use for your production, your cameras and stuff like that. Was it a choice from the very beginning or did, was it something that you had to learn and then, you know, progress by bit by bit? So I think I got a, a kind of like a foot ahead, um, like a, I was at, at an advantage with the production side of the social media stuff. Um, yeah. I did wedding photography and architecture photography for like eight years. 
mainly weddings. Um, So in terms of photography and lighting and um, composition, I understood that already. Um, It was the video side of things that I didn't understand, the technical side of the video, which is like, how do you set your settings to to record proper frame rates and things like that, you know? Um, But in terms of, of the production, all the equipment, I already had it because of being a wedding photographer. So um, I didn't have to invest much in the, the, the YouTube stuff, the, the video, but I did have to invest in the audio, which I'm, I'm still learning. That's awesome, man. I mean, like the fact that you had the skills and you definitely, it shows, but uh, we're going to go ahead. If unless you guys got another question to add, wrap uh, this episode. Yeah, I got a question. Oh, oh, question. Favorite tool in the shop. Go. Oh, my CNC. Like no question. Oh, it is the money. (laughs) He already knew. It's the money maker, man. Like if, if anybody's on the fence about a CNC, like just get one, even if it's a small one, you're going to up your production. You're going to up the revenue for your business. Like it is the best investment that you can probably make in, in this time. I agree. So that was a quick one. I got one more quick one. Favorite wood to work with. Go. Walnut. My yes. man. Walnut for the <laughs> Walnut team wins again. It's just so nice, man. Like it doesn't <laughs> yeah, it's just a beautiful piece of wood. It cuts really nice and it just looks really awesome. Who what what so other wood is there? Like, what, what other wood is there except for walnut? I mean cherry's decent. Cherry well, yeah. cherry's nice. Yeah, it's okay. Cherry carves nice. <laughs> <laughs> but walnut is king. It is. It really is. Well, it's the best. Are we going to do this? Uh, we doing the sponsors now? Yeah. Let's spin the sponsors. If you're listening to the 119th episode of Sawdust Nation podcast, just know that it was brought to you by PWNCNC. So check them out at PWNCNC.com. And for 10% off your order over there, use promo code SAWDUSTNATION981. And next, we have Total Boat. Total Boat's been a longtime supporter of the podcast. Check them out there for the best epoxies and uh varnishes etc etc especially if you have a boat but uh, get on that boat that total boat for 10 percent off your order at total boat shoot us a dm at the sawdust nation podcast on instagram and we'll hook you up and i'd like to thank our affiliates makerstock.com for that uh for the acrylic and veneers and all that jazz check them out makerstock.com for 10 percent off your initial order use promo code sawdust 10 and last but not least, thanks to Omtech for being our affiliate. We love you. Nap. So I was actually taking a look at the old uh, Buzzsprout, and it just so happens, you know, most people listen to us on the Apple Podcast off of their, you know, Apple iPhones and or iPads. iPads was in there. I was like, wow, all right, it's been, we're making it big. But if you listen to us on the Apple Podcast, Spotify, Pandora even, I forgot that even existed until I saw that today, and any other podcast catcher, give us five stars. Uh, if you don't give us five stars, um, tell us why. Because if you don't tell us why you didn't give us five stars, we can't give you what you want, what you really, really want. But if you do give us five stars, still give us some feedback, maybe give some topics, maybe some questions. Uh, we will get uh, some stories out there a little earlier to get questions from you all. Uh, but we've been having some you know, awesome people come on the podcast, such as Bow here, and we've just been able to you know, give you all some really good content. So questions have been hard to actually put in the podcast. But when it's just us three solo, we will definitely get to those questions. Um, but yeah, if you want to get a hold of us, Josh, how do they get a hold of us? Instagram, it's where it's at. And Bao from Design Craft, that's where you can follow him, see his stuff, 
follow his journey, go back all the way, and just like every pitcher because you know what? It's all works for it. And then if you can't get enough of him there, head over to his YouTube channel, subscribe, click the bell. It's worth every moment. And then Smash that like get, button. Smash it. You know, if you want to get a hold of us from the Southern Station podcast, go ahead and do it on Instagram. You can do it on Instagram. You can chat all three of us at the same time. You never know who's going to answer your questions, but that's half the fun, right? Um, it's a mystery. And then if you want to get a hold of us separately, you can go ahead and do that by getting a hold of Nat from Naps Naughty Works LLC. You can get a hold of Nick from MPG Creations and myself, Josh, from North Country Woodworking. If that is not your thing, if you don't like social media or you don't have social media, go ahead and hit us up on email. We have Podcast at gmail.com. You can do the same thing there. Ask questions, voicemail. Talk to us. Let us know what's happening in your shop. What have you. But the ultimate way to be part of the podcast experience is our Patreon. You hit that third tier, you're part of the podcast. You get to be on uh, YouTube while we're recording, interacting with us, laughing with us, asking us questions, topics. You get first glance at who's the special guest and ask them questions as well, live. And then you get two entries into every giveaway, and there's much, much more that comes along with that. So become a Patreon. You get more sawdust. And with that, we're going to do final words, and I'm going to toss it over to Bell. Well, uh, thank you guys for uh, having me on. It was a great conversation. And uh, if anybody's out there who is looking to go full-time, i definitely say make those small steps, um, and you will get there. So believe it, put it into practice, and it'll happen. Nap, what you got? Hey, so you know we talk about the community stuff a lot, talking about helping each other out, uh, and, and that's in any – former fashion, whether it be through education of videos, through inspiration. Uh, it's something we really actually don't talk much about is just being inspired by folks. So Bao, thank you for even bringing that to light. Because honestly, I mean, we help each other through, what is it? We'll say chat, with their lasers, their CNCs and those things. Not very often do you hear people say, I'm here to inspire folks. And I think uh, we, I would like to think we inspire some people. I mean, we, some of our listeners do reach out and they say they look up to us. Well, there's a lot of people that look up to folks like Bao, and other great makers out there. Uh, so keep inspiring folks because you never know who is watching and who might even ask you for tips, hints, tricks, or just in general, you know, have a good conversation with. So just keep adding to the community. It's only what makes us better. Uh, Nick, what do you got? Uh, well, like always take care of yourselves and each other. And, uh, you know, like uh, like Josh said, check out Bow's page. I was scrolling through it just now, and I can't believe it, man. It's phenomenal. But uh, I'm going to kick it on over to Josh. Thank you, everyone, for joining us for the 119th episode. Appreciate you coming on and sharing your journey. Um, it's definitely something worth sharing. So thank you again, man. Um, with that, you know, turn us on when you're making that cup of coffee in the morning, making your breakfast on your way to work, on the way back from work, at work. Who cares? Listen to it in the gym, in the shop, mowing the lawn, shoveling the snow. There you go, Nap. I got you in there, too. Yeah, it'll be soon. What have you. Thank you for joining us. Get in the shop. Go make some sawdust. The Sawdust Nation. Out! Out. Out. Good try. (laughs) And there it is, the death cough. It's back.
Uh, but I will say that Ben Warren and Victor, they said something about their favorite wood. And uh, Victor yeah. says butternut. It's a form of walnut, right? Yeah, and then uh, Ben says African mahogany. Got a little mahogany in there. Kind of a bougie person there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> African mahogany. Nice. Ebony. I, I like working with ebony. That's it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, if you've got the money to spend on ebony, man, whew, that stuff's expensive. The only wood that I hate working with is Wenge. Don't even get me started on that stuff. I hate Wenge. It smells bad. There's people that love it. Too. It's when you, if it's, if it's, if you get a splinter, it's so painful. Yes. It's the worst splinter in the world. It's so bad. <laughs> Why is that? Does it just not come out or? It doesn't come out. <laughs> it doesn't come out because it's so, it's so small and brittle, but it's, it's pretty, from what I've read, it's pretty toxic. So it's very painful mm. from like the oils. Um, I had one and it was worse. It was really bad. Really, really bad. Hmm. Ouch. Well, that's why it sucks. 